Welcome to HopeNet Radio, connecting generations to save lives from destructive lifestyles and suicide. Suicide was definitely something that was on my mind a lot. I wanted the pain of life to just stop. My dad is kind of verbally abusive, and he's also a workaholic. When I was hanging around with a bad group, I got raped. I was angry with God for the longest time. A couple weeks ago, my cousin hung himself. I really need to get closer to God. I just slipped so far. HopeNet Radio. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome to HopeNet Radio, the show where conversations save lives. I'm Jeff. I'll be your host tonight. DW, my trusty co-host. So good to be with you again this week, Dave. Good to be with you. I always enjoy our conversations. It always seems like every week, not only is there something to talk about, but something that's good that's actually happening in our world. Sometimes it seems like things that are going on in our world seem to be filled with chaos and destruction and people lying to each other and doing things that are just terrible. And uh, we get to talk about things that are actually, they're important, but they actually are uplifting too. Right. You know, it's fun to see things that actually work and to talk about things that work. In our culture right now, most of the time, we're, we're kind of quiet about a lot of things. You know, we don't want to condemn anyone. We, want, we don't want to talk about things that seem not to work and that kind of thing. But there's so many things that we need to open up and talk about just to talk about them. Not necessarily in the realm of good or bad or right or wrong sometimes, but to start discussions because we're confused as to how everything fits together. I think it's important that we have discussions where we start talking about how they fit together, how things are supposed to be. Because there is a way it's supposed to be, actually, whether we want to admit that or not. And uh, it's important. Yeah, I think, though, when we figure out how life works and some of the meaning behind it, how we're wired, that's really where hope comes in. That's really where we have a better understanding of not only who we are, but even how this world was created and who God is, the creator of this whole universe. And it's encouraging that way. I want to introduce some of our guests tonight, our guests on the show. We've got Mike Ott back in studio with us tonight. Welcome back, Mike. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Dave. It's always great to be here and uh, have a conversation with you guys. Mike is youth pastor at Graceway Fellowship here in Green Bay, and also another youth pastor friend of mine, Jake Spielbauer from Ignite from LifeBridge Church. Jake, welcome back, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jeff and Dave. It's awesome to be back uh, just having conversations that are important, conversations that help uh, our students and, and our youth understand the hope that God created them to have for their life. And and I love having youth pastors on the show, myself being in a spot where I was a youth pastor for a number of years, but also being around guys that are just passionate about this generation of young people and helping them to succeed in life. And I know you guys do some great stuff with Ignite. We'll talk about that in the show. And Mike, I know you do some great stuff over at Graceway. And Jake, it's been a while since we've had you on the show, so it's great to have you back. Yeah, definitely. Dave, why don't you introduce our last guest tonight? Yeah, we've got a guy, uh, Tim Abatacola. And he is with us. He's been our staff director all summer, been uh, part of uh, Nicolay Bible Institute for years, headed off to Moody Bible Institute next year for uh, continuing classes. And and uh, really uh, a guy that loves God, is in the Word, and we put him in charge of our high school support staff this summer uh, because we thought that much of him. And, and so we thought, let's have him on a program before he takes off. Uh, and goes back to school and, and see what he's got uh, going on in that brain of his. Tim, you were in the NBI program, Nicolay Bible Institute program, is that correct? Yes, I was. How was your year? Uh, it was good. It, it was a lot different than I expected it to be uh, because I always knew camp as a summer camp where there's hundreds of kids up all the time. But you go to the school year and there's not hundreds of kids up 
and so there's only like 30 kids at camp. But it was really cool in an academic sense. I learned a ton about the Bible. God taught me a lot about myself um, and gave me passions for things that I want to do, hopefully for the rest of my life. So I learned a lot. That's awesome. Glad to have you on the show, of course, tonight. And of course, you can connect with us. We're all on Twitter. Use the hashtag HNRTV if you got a question for one of these guys. And uh, we'd love to answer the questions, post them in our show notes tonight at hopenet360.com. But guys, I'm looking forward to having a great conversation with you. Like I said, having youth pastors in, having guys that are just studying and trying to figure out what God's plan and what their purpose is for their life. Uh, I just love having you guys on the show, especially to, to kind of glean some wisdom from. And, and tonight we want to kind of talk about some of the things that are going on in this generation, especially as you guys are youth pastors and people that work with students a lot. Uh, maybe you can tell us a little bit tonight about what's happening in our culture and some of your experiences working in youth ministry. So we want to kind of glean that from you guys a little bit in the show. We also want to give some perspective, too. If you're a parent, if you're a teenager, uh, and you're just kind of going through some stuff tonight, you want to shoot us an email, you can always do that, hope at hopenet360.com. But, uh, Dave, it's been a great week. We've had a great couple of conversations the last couple of weeks actually on the show talking about not just anxiety but how do you help other people to get out of what we call the turtle shell we talked about pain the turtles yeah. a couple of weeks ago talking about how in life things happen to us we're put in situations where we're unsure or we just get so inundated with thoughts of being anxious of something that's coming up and so we kind of go into our turtle shell we talked about how it's kind of our natural defense is just to go and hide and to get ourselves away from the crowd or isolate ourselves and Ultimately, those those kinds of points in our life are really when the enemy can also work on us pretty hard yeah. and to get us thinking that the way things are right now, they're only going to get worse or they're not going to go the way we want them to go. And so we live in this perpetual cycle of anxiety and difficulty. And I don't know, as you guys are youth pastors, do you see this in young people where they just clam up a little bit? They kind of go in their shell and close up as far as relationship stuff goes. Do you find that at all? I think I see that more as a, as a pattern in general. I think um, students really do sometimes develop that as a defense mechanism. And um, so, yeah, I think it's, a, it's an emotional pattern that a lot of students have is to go into that shell and uh, maybe sometimes when they feel threatened and develop that. Yeah, I think going through the summer, they're not forced into situations where they have to communicate with each other. So some students, they hide in their rooms, play video games, do whatever all throughout the summer. And then they get ready to go back to school. And it's like, oh, I got to be around people my age again. And I got to communicate with words, not over a video game system or through the computer. And so I think once it gets closer to school, those are some of those things where they've gone a couple months and they haven't really communicated except with maybe their family or a few close friends. And then they get thrown back into the system, so to speak. And they're forced to interact with their teachers, their other students, uh, people in the hallways, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. And kind of like what Jake said, too, I mean, we experience fear not just at certain points in the year, but it's any time. In a way, we're kind of like sheep, where if we just sense something, we'll just run for no apparent reason. Like our defense kicks in. Fear is a very motivating force, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think that is a relevant question as far as I think sometimes those fears can mount up a little bit as the school year approaches. You, know, you have kind of this excitement as we get into the rhythm of jumping back into summer. Students feel a little bit more free to be themselves. Um, and then kind of being tossed back into that social situation at school can be kind of overwhelming. And there can be a lot of sources of fear that students experience. I think, Mike, you covered a few of those different sources. Um, but our students do face a lot in that situation as far as social pressures and different expectations that are placed on them. And, and so I think it can be a little overwhelming and, 
uh, for students, and it's a good thing to be able to examine our hearts to understand where that fear comes from and uh, also understand that God has a desire to help us to resolve those fears. Now, I know you guys both did some, in a way, kind of turtle shell busting this summer with your students. You did a lot of cool things. I know, Mike, you did some VBS stuff. Yeah, I always uh, throw my teenagers right into uh, leading VBS, uh, Vacation Bible School. Uh, They lead music, games. In fact, this year, uh, normally we have an adult leader over the sections, but I actually had a teenager that led the game section for the week and the kids. He was the most reliable and I trusted him and uh, he didn't fail me. He did great. He excelled. And so those type of situations, whether that's at camp, mission trips, VBS, those things that bring them out of their shell, bring them out of their uncomfortable uh, areas where they feel uncomfortable, their comfort zone, that's what I'm looking for. And you can bring them out of it, and then they look back and they're excited because they didn't think they could do that, and it it broke their shell of, uh, I don't want to do that. So I had a couple teenagers pray this summer uh, in front of uh, groups of people that they didn't know. That was was a huge step. Um, There's a lot of adults that I know that wouldn't do that, so... And Jake, you guys did camp too as well? Yeah, we actually had a really awesome summer. Towards the end of June, we got away for a week to go to uh, Lake Helen Bible Camp where we run our own our own summer camp for a week. And uh, over the course of the week, we challenged students uh, to really focus on being intentional uh, about a couple of things. Uh, number one, the Bible, spending time uninterrupted and focused in God's Word. For some of our students, it's first time where they've been really in a situation where they've had to do daily devotions mm-hmm. before and just be silent before the Lord. Um, and also just really, really strong community where they're around uh, their peers in an environment where they're pressing in towards Christ. Awesome. We're going to continue on with this conversation. Remember, you can be part of the conversation with us. If you're on Twitter, use the hashtag HNRTB, and the conversation will continue. You're on HopeNet Radio. Are you hurting? Stressed out? Need somebody to talk to? Chat with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at hopenet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Welcome back to the show. Chat with a live coach anytime you need to about whatever's going on in your life. If you got something that's going on, stressing you out, chat with a live coach anytime at hopenet360.com. Jeff, DW, your host tonight on the show. Got Mike Ott, Jake Spielbauer, and Tim from Nicolay Bible Institute. And Silver Birch Ranch. Guys, it's so good to have you on the show. We've been having a good conversation. Anxiety this time of year can tend to be tough. And in the break, we were kind of talking about how in life, it just seems like we sometimes just need a reset. And I don't know if this generation, it seems like we've been conditioned and in a way wired to believe that everything comes to the reset button. My phone's got a reset button on it. When I was growing up, my Nintendo had a reset button on it. I loved that reset button because I knew my game was saved where I left off so I could just reset it, start over. I have 99 lives, you know. I had no real consequence of a game over. I didn't really want the game over on my record, so I just reset it and wow. away you go. And I think this generation, one of the things that I've I've seen and I've maybe fallen into a little bit is that if I don't like something... I'm just going to reset it. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because, it, yeah, there are some things in life that you can reset. But you're talking to a guy in a different generation, and our old phones with the cords on it didn't have any reset buttons. When you hung up, you were done. The bottom line really is it's, it's interesting to look at how the mind frame has switched. In America today, we honestly believe we're, we're not connected to reality because we honestly believe that no matter what we do, somehow it'll turn out okay. We can be irresponsible financially. We can be irresponsible with our lives. Or we can be irresponsible sexually. We can be irresponsible, and somehow it's going to turn out okay. 
And and that's not true necessarily. It, it's not that it's hopeless down the road if we make mistakes, but there are some things that we need to address if we're going to be okay down the road. It, it's kind of like in medicine. You know, I remember when I was 11 years old, um, I was uh, I, I was a crippled young man, and I, I didn't know it at the time. I was running around camp, but I couldn't really run anymore. My legs were bad and couldn't really figure it out. You know what? I denied and denied and denied that problem. I mean, there's no way that I was going to be uh, not able to play football, not able to be normal. There's no way that I was a crippled kid. My dad denied it. He said, yeah, it's just growing pains. You'll be fine. My mom slipped me to the doctor. And before you know it, I had three, four years of you know various surgeries and different things to make things work right again. And the thing that I really realized now looking back was what I had to do was come to grips with reality. I was not working properly. I didn't have the ability. I didn't know why. And since it was something that caused anxiousness because it was out of my control, I, I mean, I wasn't making it happen. So I didn't even want to deal with it. I didn't want to deal with it. I would just say nothing was going on. I'll be fine down the road. The doctor told me that if I didn't come in when I did and I didn't get it taken care of, that I probably would have been somebody who was handicapped for life because I was choosing to ignore something that was obvious. See, I did get a reset button in a way. That's because I got caught early enough and it could be changed. And we don't know where that line is all the time. I had a, a young man up here once who decided that he was going to play with cold medicine pills. And he was a very smart young man. And he knew exactly how many pills he could take before um, he'd be in trouble. Except for one day, he took the wrong amount. And he thought he had it calculated out perfectly. And he didn't. And the results were not good. You see, it's like, I think I got this all figured out. I think I know where the line is. You know what? There is a line. And if you cross that line and you still think you can come back, there's sometimes where you can't. And that's just reality. I think there's kind of two ways that I see this kind of reset issue working out with, with this generation of students. I think, number one, I think sometimes um, our students struggle to grasp that the things that we do have lasting consequences. And, of course, that's tough in the context of talking about our faith because sometimes it can be hard to grasp that things I'm doing now will affect not only my life but my eternity, right? And, and so I think uh, a challenge for students today is to really come to understand the seriousness of the the actions I take today, especially ones that are contrary to God's word, have lasting consequences because we do live in a world that's temporary and so often have been trained, well, hey, if I break something, I can get a new one. Um, or if I mess up a conversation, I can just delete it, you know, or if uh, if I you know, say something stupid, it's okay because it's not going to last. It's just on Snapchat. Why don't we believe that? I mean, I hear you. I agree with you. But generally, that's not believed. Why? Well, that's a great question. I think deep down, though, um, and that's kind of what I was getting to is the second point is we try to believe that or we like to. I see that living out in the way that uh, students live their lives. Deep down, I think we do desire a real lasting reset. I think we do have a deep down conviction that something is wrong and needs to be recalculated or reset. And ultimately, the answer isn't just for a new identity. It's not just for changed behavior. It's for something real that's going to change me from the inside, which ultimately we know uh, is a walk with Christ. Yeah, and you're right. But as you talked about that, you're talking about the idea that, you know, we're not thinking about the consequences down the road of what we're doing, actually. So is that because we're so into something now that we cannot see it or we choose not to see it? Or how do we as a culture get to the point where we're forgetting that the actions today actually have consequences tomorrow? Because we, we actually live as if they don't. Yeah, well, even in modern science, there's discussion on how the brain develops. And I think for us guys, 
I think there are guys that are still in their 30s and sometimes 40s that forget that their actions have consequences. But that is one of the final things to actually develop in our brains is understanding of what consequence can come and what, you know, that actions really do have consequences. I, I remember being a teenager, I think of the things that, and they weren't all terrible, but there were times where I put myself in risks that I look at today and I'm thinking, why did I do that? <laughs> you know, that was just foolish. I could have, you know, hurt myself or somebody else. But at the time, I didn't get that. I didn't understand that. Again, that's part of understanding more of who I am, what reality is. We call it reality is, you know, if you drive fast on a highway, that usually means that the quicker that I have to stop or the quicker that I hit something, the less likely I'm going to end up maybe living through that because the force is so hard. So there are things that in reality, they exist, but I don't quite understand them at a young age. Exactly. Who thinks of that? I mean, honestly, if somebody's driving on the highway, they're going 90 miles an hour. You think that they're thinking, oh, yeah, if something comes out, I have less time to react? I, I would think, you know, going faster just gets me from point A to point B quicker. Yeah. I don't think about the obstacles in my way. We don't normally think about the obstacles in our way. We usually view a road with, you know, empty, sunny no rain on it. We don't think of the obstacles. Yeah. So if I'm doing something, I'm just doing it and I'm, I'm enjoying it and, and I'm not really thinking of the future necessarily, but I really should be because if I can put it in perspective, then maybe I can make a better decision today and maybe I can stay away from the line that is going to be inevitable down the road because the line is there somewhere. Right. I think you're hitting on the real heart of the issue is, is that there's not a thought process in place, right? Um, it's an absorption issue. What are you absorbed by? You know, thinking back to why did I make stupid decisions when I was younger? Well, why do I still make stupid decisions? Because uh, I'm not totally past that. Maybe someday <laughs> I'll get to that point. Um, but I can look back on periods of my life where, like, what was I thinking? And at the time, I wasn't thinking, and that's exactly the issue. I wasn't thinking. I was being controlled by impulse and by desire. I wasn't actually reacting. I was just acting out of whatever felt good at the time, whatever seemed right at the time. And there was no stop and think and put it in perspective. And I think that's the challenge for young people and for us in general is to actually be intentional about the things that we do and not simply be absorbed with our own desires. Oh man, that's good stuff, Jake. This is a huge conversation, especially among young people thinking that in life, we're just going to come with some kind of a reset button where if we don't like something, just hit it and away we go. We'll start over and we'll try that again. Never happened. You know, and that's the that's the hard thing about consequences in life is there are sometimes there are good consequences that happen to us. A lot of times it's based in good decisions, but it's not just containing good decisions. Sometimes, you know, you make a bad decision and something good still happens. You know, the big question out there of why bad things happen to quote unquote good people. This is a question that's asked a lot in our culture today. Maybe we could talk about that when we come back here on the show. Remember to check out tonight's show notes at hopenet360.com. And there we post some links, we post articles, we post some stories, some quotes, things we talk about on the show, and some things we didn't get a chance to talk about on tonight's show that we might cover in the next couple of weeks. It's a great conversation, and it will continue here on HopeNet Radio. We're connecting parents with their teens in real conversations that save lives. HopeNet Radio on Q90FM. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to the show. Chat with a live coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Also, if you miss any part of this conversation, you can catch it on the podcast. Go and subscribe at HopeNet360.com slash podcast on your favorite podcasting app. 
And of course, we broadcast on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher Radio, whatever app you use, you can take our feed and plug it in and away you go. Subscribe, leave us a review, that sort of thing. It all helps other people to find hope through these shows. So Jeff, Dave, your host tonight, thanks for joining us. Guys, it's been a great conversation tonight as we're talking about some of these things. Jake, you said it really, something that kind of tripped a thought in my mind of how easily today we get led by our own impulses. Yeah, at the base of who we are, our instinct is to follow our feelings. For someone who doesn't have a clear direction or uh, who doesn't take steps to actually learn to live by something else, I mean, we're going to go right back to what we know best, and that's what I feel. And so if I don't make a choice to steer my direction in life by something else or have some kind of orienting principle to kind of be a guidepost as I make decisions, I want to default to making decisions by what feels good and what I think is right in my own heart. I think there's a difference, obviously, between animal and human behavior. Animal behavior is instinctive. Human behavior is done through thought, and, and it's totally different. Uh, it's not that we don't have instincts or feelings, but we're different. And when we start acting like animals, we're in trouble because, because that's all instinctive feelings, uh, that kind of thing, where we as humans, we can actually think it through and we can make wise decisions. We can go against what we feel, actually, if we need to. The interesting thing to me is we use the word react to things, impulse. Um, I remember when I played football, I was very reactionary. I mean, I saw the ball. I went after it. And, and when you're very reactionary like I was, what happens is they can throw. I was a defensive end, by the way. They could throw a play at you called a trap play. And when they threw a trap play at you, it was because you were overaggressive. What happened is the guy in front of me would disappear and I would see the quarterback with the ball and I would start taking a step up the field to hit the quarterback because that's what you salivated to do. And the guard from the other side was coming low and hard and he'd wipe me out like every single time. And, <laughs> and when that happened, there was a huge hole there and the quarterback or the running back would run right through where I just vacated because I just got wiped out. And it was a simple trap play. In fact, I got trapped so many times that the defensive coach used to call me, don't get trapped wager as I went out on the field. You know, I mean, it was one of those things. And I couldn't figure it out because when I saw the quarterback, I instinctively wanted to kill him. You know, I mean, I just wanted to go after him. So the coaches finally took me and said, look, we love your aggression. We love what you're doing, but you're not basing this on thinking. You're basing it on feeling. So what they did in practice was they kept going over in slow motion, trap, trap, trap. They kept telling me over and over again, when the guy in front of you disappears, look to the inside, get down on a knee, look to the inside, look to the inside. I remember the very first game I was in where all of a sudden, instinctively now, all of a sudden the guy disappeared in front of me. And immediately, I looked to the inside, went down, took on the block, turned around, took the quarterback, took him down. The bench went wild. Mm. It was like, you're kidding me. You didn't get trapped on that one. <laughs> no. And, and the reason I didn't get trapped wasn't because I was using my instinct. Or was I? I actually was. But now the, my, my instinct was based on something that I had practiced and been taught by a very patient coach. The difference now was that I learned to respond. When life went very fast, I was able to react and react correctly. And I think that's a very important principle that we need to get out in the open and talk to the young people that are listening to us with. You need to practice responding right because life can go at a very fast pace at some point. And you're going to need to react right at that point. You know what I liked about that, you know, your story was, uh, I can relate really well, is somebody saw a problem and they helped you with the solution. Your coaches helped you. Uh, I was thinking of this reset thing that Jeff was talking about, and I was trying to figure out how do I connect it in here. 
And uh, I realized that I struggled for a long time with certain friendships and certain bosses. And I continue to just hit the reset and take the next job, take the next job in ministry, uh, reset the friendship, get a new friendship. And a seminary professor really dug deep into who I was and who I related with. And I realized that my personality always got stuck on this other type of personality. And I just kept hitting my head thinking it was just the other individual when in Mm. reality was I was struggling with that personality. Once I saw the problem, I realized I needed a solution, and I've learned to deal with those people, and it's hard at times to deal with them, but I recognize, as soon as I recognize that their personality is going to kind of fight with my personality, I, I step back, I might pray about it, I might actually work on that relationship better, and I've been able to stay in places of ministry a lot longer or keep friendships a lot longer because I recognized that there was differences between our personality and I was able to fight for them. And so when people really pour into your life and point out your problems and you realize that it's a problem and not only do that they help you with the solution making you're set up for success to move on throughout life and that's a big thing that i learned i love the idea of this reset button never thought about it before yeah you know it's not even reset tim you're working with young people this summer at camp and one of the things we do here is exactly that we try and tim is in college so he's working with the high school kids the high school kids are actually doing maintenance and dishes and all that kind of thing. And Tim is watching over them, making sure that they have opportunities to learn and to grow, to fail. But in an atmosphere where somebody that's over them is saying, come on, we can do this. I can teach you. I can I can give you the practice. Are you finding that happening this summer? A lot of what works is when you put kids together and you give them a goal, but you have them go after that goal together. Um, And so when you talk about people coming into your life and helping you out achieving something or uh, solving a problem, uh, a lot of what I do is I help them solve that problem or I push them to God um, and have God solve that problem within a relationship. But a lot of what works also is having uh, the volunteers get together, solving their problems or pursuing God together. And, um, And so what do I do? Not much except for push them into environments or situations where uh, their problems um, maybe aren't solved right away, but they start to see them diminish a little bit and that they're being pushed to God and in a close relationship with Him and their decision-making gets better, their relationships get better, their friendships get better. And you know, it's been very intentional. Every day, Tim meets with one of our senior staff, myself or another guy named Rich, every single day, and we go over any problems that are out there. Rich and I don't solve his problems. We just identify them. Why? Because we're trying to work even with Tim on understanding how to respond. Because down the road, he's going to be in situations where he needs to react. And right now, we're giving him a chance to learn and see and do it at a slower pace with us helping him because there will be those moments. And I would encourage our listeners to put yourself intentionally in those positions where you have to learn to respond with somebody who already knows how to react so that you can do this correctly. All of this is is great conversation. Just as you guys have been talking, I've been writing down some notes of just how our impulse needs to be tuned. And Dave, your story is talking a lot about how you had coaches, people in your life that helped to tune your impulse. And impulsively, we do a lot of things that aren't rational. We talk about that being kind of an irrational response, unless you've actually trained your impulse well. And so if you're a coach and you're training your players that are on your team, you're helping shape their impulse to a situation. Same thing with you guys being youth pastors and working with teens. You guys are helping to shape young people's impulse 
to respond in a way when they're pressed, you know, by some kind of a pressure to respond in the right way, the godly way, the way that actually brings life and not death. See, by impulse really is not good by default. And, and that's kind of a lot of what we do, whether it's working with teens or whatever. We want to help to train your impulse, respond in a way that's appropriate and right and not laced with my own agenda and what I want for myself, my own pleasures. And the ways that we do those things, you guys, is through our experience. Usually it's learning the hard way or it's through education. It's learning through knowledge and through applying principles that coaches or mentors or people have spoken in your life and said, hey, I've tried it this way. Here's what I learned. I did it completely the wrong way, whether it was dating and relationships or it was something else, whether it was a sport or something else, something that you did was just not working. It wasn't working right. And you've been banging your head against a wall thinking, why am I so terrible at life? And the reality is, is you just haven't learned the right way to do something. And so that's a lot of whether it's why we do this show, why you guys are in youth ministry, or just in general, why you guys even mentor young people. It's to help shape that impulse. I think that's so key for everybody. Let's talk about this in the second half of the show. Remember, you can chat with a live coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. The conversation will continue here on HopeNet Radio. Feel like nobody cares? We do. HopeNet360.com has an online crisis chat line powered by Groundwire. A live coach is available to talk right now at HopeNet360.com. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to the show. You can subscribe to the HopeNet Radio podcast at HopeNet360.com on your favorite podcasting app. Go to HopeNet360.com slash podcast. And uh, we hope you do that. We hope you share this show with your friends, this podcast and show, because it's always one of those where conversations come up that just spur on other conversations. And they're ones that need to be had. A lot of times we talk about things that are meaningless, that really you know could just change tomorrow because we're so focused on the present. We want to help you guys look forward, maybe even a few years, and just kind of think things through where you're at in life. And not only that, but how God has wired you, how he's created you, and give you some perspective. So Jeff, Dave with you on the show tonight. Mike Ott's with us. Jake Spielbauer, youth pastors here in Green Bay. We've got Tim, staff director at Silver Birch Ranch this summer. And uh, guys, we've been having a great conversation talking about this reset button in our life. I think every one of us wants to have a reset button. We wish we had more of those reset buttons where it just brought us back to the last level. Uh, thinking about Nintendo, that was kind of the system that I grew up playing, as it were, with video games. Video games today are so prevalent, but they all have one thing. They all have this reset button. Is that kind of like a mulligan? <laughs> it's very much like a mulligan, yeah. except you can kind of go back to where... Before you lost 99 lives playing the same level over and over and over and dying every time. Yeah. Well, I don't know. The last golfathon I did, I just, if I hit one in the woods, I just hit another one. And forgot <laughs> it, so. Question, though, how many mulligans did you get? Well, nobody, nobody said there was a rule about how many mulligans. Oh. Hmm. So, it is so like I saw mulligans button. around like they were, you know, pretty good stuff. And so I, I was okay. Between that and the golf cart, I had a great day. <laughs> well, that's good. And I think there are a lot of pro golfers that wish they had more mulligans on hand, especially the way Tiger Woods has been playing lately. we we'll just take them. I'm okay with it. Yeah. Anyway, you know, in life, guys, we do wish we had more reset buttons just for things. Maybe we've said something that was just dumb and it ruined a relationship or something else. We've, we've just done something. Maybe we've done a lot of things. Some people look at their lives and say, man, I've just done a lot of dumb things and I just wish I could just go back and change those things. And some of you are maybe anxious about going back to a place like school where 
things are just a little bit uncomfortable. Maybe they're left uncomfortable. And so now this is kind of one of those where you're like, I really wish I had a reset button right about now. I can restart my summer. I can go back and not even have to worry about all these things and feeling anxious and stuff. So I think, guys, this whole reset button, Dave, we were kind of chatting a little bit about coaching. And I think sometimes athletes even wish they could go back and change the outcome of a game that they played at some point in their career because maybe things would have just turned out better for them in the long run. Oh, you know what? There's always one play that you could have done differently if you look backwards. And you could beat yourself up with that. And that's not healthy for anybody because you can't do anything about it anyway. I'll tell you what I did learn, though. It's very interesting. I've always had some pretty good coaches in my life. And I'm very thankful for that because they gave me some some real ideas on how to work with people. And uh, one of the, the, the things I learned in college was that actually I wasn't very good at football. Um, I, I really wasn't. I came into college somebody that was fundamentally not very sound. I had a lot of energy, and I was all over the field, but I, but I really wasn't very good, I don't think. And I know my senior year when I got hurt and I didn't play anymore, and I had been voted all-conference the year before, and, and things had gone really well. My senior year, I asked the coaches, you know, what in the world did you recruit me for? Because I was, I was actually very curious. Why would you recruit me? I can't see a reason for that. And the coach, without hesitation, looked at me and said, because you had the things in life that we couldn't teach. We knew that fundamentally you weren't sound. We knew that you needed to learn a lot as far as the game goes. But we also understood that you were all over the field and we can't give you energy. And I tell you what, that was so powerful to me, realizing that somebody older looked at me and said, fundamentally, Dave, you are a mess, but you have what it takes and we are going to work with you to bring it out. And I tell you, I'm glad I played football in college. I think I learned more than I did in my classes, unfortunately, there. But I learned more about life and I learned more about working with people. And part of it was exactly that. There came a point where my coaches became my heroes in a way. And I want to encourage people listening. You got to position yourself. If you're my age, if you're one of the older guys, you got to be looking for those younger guys. And, you, and we have to intentionally go after helping them become what they can become, looking at what they can do, looking at what they can become, and starting to work with the fundamentals that are going to be necessary so they can actually react down the road to the right things. The thought in my head that I am really good at this, I'm a really good athlete, I think there's sometimes that it can be more of a danger than it is a help for a lot of players. I know for me as a, as an athlete, this isn't really even a generational thing. It's I was on a team playing soccer. That was kind of my sport. And there were players on my team that just thought that they were really good and they let it go to their head and it really affected their play. Like, yeah, they probably would have been really good players, except they allowed their ego to get in the way. And that totally just ruined them of being a, a really great player. Nobody trusts them on the team because, again, they were trying to be a one-man show. And, and that tends to bleed through in a lot of other areas in our life, too. We begin to think, well, I'm really good at this. And then all of a sudden it goes to your head. And that, Dave, I think that's probably one of those things that we're talking about that you can't teach is that ability to be humble yeah. about life and to really understand, have a right perspective of who you are. It's one thing to have a lot of energy and they can coach technique and kind of tuning that. But I think there, if there's an athlete that comes into a program or just somebody in general into a workplace and they think, well, I'm all that in the next slice of bread. Like I'm just the next person that's going to make this the best it can ever be. Fundamentally, that's going to be difficult to change. Yeah, there is. If I look back on my playing days in college, the coaches were very clear to us. Look, we don't really need you. We want you. And we've talked about this in other programs. They told us, if you get hurt on the field, we're going to drag you off. Guy behind you is going to come in. We're going to keep playing. And if you don't want that, don't play. And I thought, wait a minute, I'm so valuable that if I get dragged off the field, the game should probably quit. No, it's not going to. And you need to get this in your head. 
the thing that I found is that the coaches dealt straight with me. They did. They said, you know what? We're going to tell you how good you are because we have film and we'll look at that. Don't you tell us how good you are. Well, that's very humbling right there to me. And likewise, you know, if you get hurt, we're going to drag you off the field. Another guy's going to go in and we're going to, you know, the whistle's going to blow. We're going to play. That's very humbling. Sometimes just looking at the world realistically and having somebody older like that helping you see it clearly is very healthy. And for those that don't have those people in their lives, man, I wish that you did because they make all the difference in the world. Yeah, we actually just had a conversation uh, at Ignite a few weeks ago about the importance of mentoring. And that's something that uh, we encourage our students to participate in, finding someone in the church uh, who can mentor them, who can give them an idea of what they don't know. And uh, But it takes that first step, which I think is really hard. And this isn't just for students, for people in general, to take the step to say, there are things I don't know, and I need someone to help me is a big step. And, and there's probably students listening tonight who've never really uh, maybe taking that step. And, and man, I would really encourage you, you know, students, if you're listening tonight, uh, to take that step to find someone to invest in your life who can help guide you and help you understand the things that you don't know, because that's an important perspective. Tim, when you're when you're talking with young people, I know you've been in charge of some young people and really empowering them to serve. What are the, some of the things that personally were difficult and challenging to you in that capacity? Because I'm, I'm guessing that's probably a little bit of a stretch for what you've been used to doing a little bit, hasn't it? Yeah, it is a little bit. What my goal was early on, really, so I'm the staff director, so I'm on summer staff and I'm leading uh, the guy, all the guy volunteers. What I did early on was basically to make myself a volunteer. Uh, and so I kind of make myself one of them. And so when I'm encouraging them to serve, like you said, um, one of the things I do is help out where they're serving. And so if they see an older guy who does love God and does spend time with him, um, but also shows it by going and serving in the areas that I'm not, I don't need to be serving in, but they do. Uh, then they see that, and they they see that really as an example and as mo- motivation to do it themselves. Um, but again, a lot of it goes back to where their heart is at, and uh, where their heart is at really, from what I've seen, is determined by um, uh, their relationship with God. And so that's what I push most. That's awesome. And we're going to talk more about that when we come back on the show. Jump on the tweet back. Be a part of the conversation on Twitter. If you got some thoughts, you got something to share, maybe an experience of how your impulse or how you have figured out how to reset some things in life so that you could be successful later on in life. Chat with us right now. We're on the tweet back on Twitter. Use the hashtag HNRTB. The conversation will continue here on HopeNet Radio. If you're going through something tonight, a live coach is waiting to talk to you at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at HopeNet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Welcome back to the show. Anytime you need to, you can chat with a live coach at HopeNet360.com. They're there around the clock. Anytime you need to chat about whatever's going on in your life, difficulties, stressors, things that are just, you're not sure who to talk to with about these things, go to HopeNet360.com, chat with a live coach, and they'd be glad to have a great conversation with you even tonight. So, uh, guys, we've been having a great conversation about this and coaching, mentoring. This is something we talk a lot about on the show. One of the keys to resetting your life, as it were, before you get back into the books, get back into school, is really to find a mentor, to get plugged in. And we hear different excuses all the time. We've even used excuses. I'm sure each of us has used excuses of why 
I don't feel qualified or why I don't feel like I'm supposed to mentor another young man in his faith or just in life. And there's so many different excuses, but I know we talk a lot about mentoring. We talk a lot about what that means in our own personal lives. Jake, you were sharing a little bit in the break too, just of how mentoring impacted your life. Yeah. Well, I mean, what Tim said kind of got me thinking, you know, Tim had kind of mentioned that, you know, he didn't feel like maybe he had done a lot of coaching himself, but he went on to kind of describe how, you know, his, his attitude towards leadership is to direct his, the students he encounters towards Christ and then to get involved in doing what they're doing. And, uh, you know, as I kind of reflect on what my own experience has been with having a mentor, um, you know, I think that's exactly what a good mentor does actually for a lot of my life, you know, kind of going back to what we talked about, you can either learn things by experience, you can learn them by education. Um, and I learned a lot of things about my faith and about who I was by accident, by experience, by messing up and realizing that that way wasn't going to work. Um, and it wasn't until I got seriously involved in a church uh, when I was at college that was serious about community, serious about living life together, that I actually experienced what it was like to have uh, a mentor and someone who invested in me and helped raise me up, someone who had a vision of me that was a little different than uh, than I had for myself. Now, you signed up for this, right? Like you signed up for a mentorship program? Yeah, no, actually not at all. And the crazy thing was I didn't even know I was getting mentored until, you know, kind of looking back and reflecting on that period of my life. You know, I I kind of would look at it and I was like, why do these guys always, you know, they give me stuff to read. They're always, you know, giving me books or asking me out to lunch. And it kind of dawned on me later on, like, those guys were intentionally going out of their way to mentor me. They saw something in me that I didn't see in myself and I didn't know it at the time, but they were just getting involved in my life, just getting their hands dirty, you know, by coming alongside of me and being involved in what I was involved in. So you're you're kind of being duped into being mentored in a way like, right. I mean, it wasn't this big formal thing where it was like, all right, let's have a, a mentoring agreement and we'll meet three times a week for an hour and a half. They just were serious about caring for me. And, and challenging me to be better than I was. You know, I think about what is, you know, Dave, you have this definition that you've used, um, and I've heard you, you know, at conferences share, what does it mean to love somebody? Um, it means that you make them the best version of themselves that they can be. And those guys did that for me, went out of, my way to do, out of their way to do it without me even knowing it. You know, it's interesting. I, I'm, I'm thinking of the same thing. When I grew up, my dad was a pastor of a church. He, he also uh, founded this camp. You know, he was a senior pastor of a big church in Chicago, and he would come up here on a Friday night with a bunch of high school kids, and we would rake leaves and pour cement and do that kind of stuff. He was right next to us. We rubbed elbows with him the whole time. We'd have six hours of drive out, six hours drive back, and he preached the next day, and we sat in the front row. It was something we learned because of the fact that he was right next to us all the time. We learned from that more than we ever did on those sermons. Because I think most of the time I fell asleep during those because we were so tired from running up here and doing different things. But the, the bottom line really is the mentoring part. I could go back and name dozens of young people whose lives today, they're, they're walking with God, their marriages are solid, they're active in their church, and they were a part of being up here when both my dad was here or he would send his youth pastor up here for all summer with, with about 20 high school kids to run the place. And they would just work together. And, and boy, the fruit was incredible. But, you know, if I look back and say, did he sit down? And the formal teaching times were church times when he was teaching anyway. But the other, there they weren't that many formal times, really. It was more or less discussions and that kind of thing. So Mentoring in general, I think we just, we make up a lot of excuses. And even in how you said it, it was kind of one of those where that was the same kind of thinking that I had where, you know, young people, I'm not really in a place to mentor them. I don't really have a lot of experience to mentor them. So I'm just going to rub shoulders with them and try to be cool and, and come off like that. And 
that's not even what, totally what mentoring is too. Not that you can't be cool as a mentor, but I think too, it's still important that even the younger men know that someone who is not a lot of years older than them can actually have standards and actually do things right and be led by principle. And that can sometimes be hard too for us in the younger generation because we're in this weird flux of trying to remain cool, quote unquote, among peers that are just a few years younger than we are and still, you know, then show that we're respectable to those that are much older than we are looking for us to be responsible responsible and able to handle all of our tasks and responsibilities yeah. and, that, and all this, that sort of thing. And I think it's so easy even for young people to just kind of say, well, I'm not, a, I'm not good enough. Probably the biggest yeah. excuse for me is I'm not good enough to be a mentor. Can I get my personal story? Do it. Yeah. I learned how to be a mentor as a teenager. I started cross country and track my sophomore year of high school and uh, it was great. I ran a 505 mile. Uh, later on, I would watch my classmates go from around where I was down into the 420s. Uh, but I had a problem. I had an issue that couldn't be corrected, and that was called I grew too fast and I had <laughs> knee injuries. So my junior and senior year, I got slower and slower and slower while my teammates got faster and faster and faster. And my junior year, I struggled with it all all season long. Like, that's just discouraging. Uh, I remember my senior year, I got beat by a girl, and that was, that was hard for me. I mean, she was fast. I'll give her props. She was one of the fastest girls in the county. Um, uh, but I, I had to deal with that, and what ha- ended up happening is those coaches that coached me, my dad and my, my cross-country coaches, I turned around and started coaching my teammates because that was the only thing I could do. I couldn't – I couldn't. I would finish fifth or seventh on my, my team, and I started coaching them. I'd get them up early in the morning. we go for runs extra outside of practice. I would talk about some of the different ways you can stretch. I would f- figure out ways to mentor them, and a lot of the guys, they looked up to me. And uh, the way I figured it out was my senior year, they made me captain of the cross-country team and the track team, which is a big honor, especially in public school. By the way, I was homeschooled and actually was able to run for a public school. So that was an honor. A person that was homeschooled, they saw as a leader that was mentoring into them that they gave me that thing. And I encourage teenagers, is there somebody younger than you or younger in the faith than you? You have an opportunity to mentor them. But before you can do that, you always have to find a mentor. And that's a huge thing. Find somebody that loves Jesus, loves you despite who you are, who knows you, and is willing to spend time out of their week to invest in you. So before you can get it and invest in somebody else, you need to have some people invest in you. And my dad was a big thing in cross country. He invested a lot into me, and I took it, what I learned from him, and I poured it into other people. And that's really what mentor basically is, or finding a mentee. So here's a question for you guys. You know, I think this mentoring, you know, kind of going back to our original conversation about anxiety, having someone to walk alongside you and help teach you to react in a way that's godly and intentional is just so important. And I see those things going hand in hand. So what do you think are some solid standards for students that are looking for a mentor? What what should they be looking for? You mean as far as like someone that's looking to be mentored or mentors? Someone who's listening to this show tonight is like, man, I really wish I had that. You know, where can I go to find a mentor? And, and what should I be looking for in someone like that, that, hey, I want someone to help build me up so I can start pouring into other people too? There's always just a risk involved. And I think it's, you have to have a willingness to take steps before you find a person. You have to think about, okay, well, here are things that I'm really just messing up in. And I think it doesn't take very long to, to take an inventory and figure out where you've been weak or maybe you've, you've gotten grounded. And sometimes getting grounded uh, makes you reflect and say, I wish I had a, a mentor right about now that I could just call and say, I got myself in trouble and 
and I need to talk with somebody. So understanding the humility part of it, I think the risk is always going outside and trying to find an adult that actually wants to, that you know, that wants to make you successful. Cause you know, sometimes relationships with adults are kind of a weird thing as a teenager too, because you think, well, they're adults are automatically an authoritative figure. And we're kind of in our teenage angst where we don't really want the authoritative figures in our life. A lot of times we spend our time rebelling against the system, quote unquote, because we think it gives us power and entitlement and that sort of thing. But I think it's, it's really important that every person realizes that without a mentor in their life, the chances of you being successful go down or the chances of you learning something at a younger age go down. I look at the people in my life. There are a lot of people that will come up to me and say, Jeff, for a young person, you've got a lot of wisdom. You've got a lot of you know things that are just really going for you. And I'm thinking, I don't really have a whole lot of answers myself, except that I have a strong relationship with God. I think his word is a light to my soul. It's a light to how I'm wired. It's a light to how God actually created this world and, and really the relationship, the relational part that God wants to have in my life. And then not only that, but it also then will help to guide me and shows me where I'm definitely weak. I need to work on some things in my own life. So I think it's it's just that humbling part of it. I think we just need to go back and understand too, maybe the other part of your question of what it takes to be a mentor is also important. And Dave's said it before on the show, so you go to somebody who is older than you, smarter than you, loves you, wants to help you be successful. We're going to talk about that when we come back. You can connect with us anytime on the tweet back. Just use the hashtag HNRTV. We'll be back here on HopeNet Radio. Love HopeNet Radio? Stay in contact all week long at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to the show. Having a great conversation about mentorship, about training your impulse, really about the reset button, things that you need to have in your life that will actually help you to reset. Maybe things have been crazy. Maybe things have been chaotic in your life. Maybe you're thinking about all the what ifs of the school year and everything else that's kind of coming up. And this is a good time where you just hit the reset button and you say, okay, what do I really need to focus on right now? Where am I at spiritually? Where am I at health wise and going into the school year and just begin to have a conversation about that. We've got some great guys to have conversations with tonight. Again, Mike, Ott, Jake Spielbauer, Tim, and of course your hosts, Jeff and Dave here on the show. Guys, we're wrapping things up tonight. Great conversation. I'd love to know some of your final thoughts and uh, I don't know wants to go first here but final thoughts for tonight's show a couple of my uh, final thoughts is is uh if you don't have a mentor in your life go find one if you don't know what to look for look for what do you need in your life for me uh, i struggled at prayer for a long time and i looked around i found somebody that was really good at praying and guess what i went and sought him out prayed with him um keep him in my life keep him close to me because he helps me with that area of my life so find somebody that is very good in that area but more importantly if you're a follower of christ you need to make sure you look for a mentor that um, loves the Lord and is going to love you as well. And so uh, get out there and seek that. I always look at it in the Bible as the Titus 2 principle. The first couple of verses of Titus 2 talks about the older teaching the younger. And uh, you're always going to have somebody younger than you. Um, and you're always going to have somebody older than you. Find those older gentlemen or ladies at church to invest in you. Um, that's what the church is there for, to feed into us, to give us hope. And then not just for us to keep it to ourselves, but for us to pass that on to other people. The older I get, the more I have to share with people. Like someday I want to be like Dave, because Dave is a reservoir tank of just information and thoughts and wisdom 
that he's gained over life that he continues to give into young people's lives. And I think that's encouraging to me is I'm still building that reservoir tank. At the same time, I need to be using it. Even if it's a couple drops in it, I need to be using what I have. And so even as teenagers, you guys got stuff that you're learning and you can pass on to the children at your church, pass on to your brothers and your sisters, pass on to your friends. Yeah, not even your church, but people in your community, your neighbors. I mean, the people who live next door to you. Exactly. Right out your front door, you can look out and you see the people that you can invest in and make a difference. You know, I think for students, yeah, that's the challenge. Man, go, go and find somebody. Um, and I think the best rule for that is find someone who knows something that you don't know and you want to know. So, you know, for me, I just think about who are the guys that I want to have shaping my life. Well, I look around and who do I want to be like? Who do I see having a vibrant relationship with Christ? Who do I see living with joy and living with purpose? And uh, I want to put myself around those people. But I also think there's a challenge here. You know, God's an awesome architect, and he designed the church to work this way, uh, where there'd be relationships between generations of believers, where we would be impacted by those older than us and impacting those younger than us. So if you're listening tonight and you're maybe a parent uh, who has a student who's growing up in the church, maybe who's preteen or a teenager, and you're looking for a way to make a difference, start getting involved with their friends. Start finding young people that your student surrounds themselves with at church and start getting invested. We need Christian adults who hear the call to mentoring, the call to disciple and impact. And and those kind of relationships are, are all too important. So I'd encourage you, if you're a parent tonight that's listening to this and you're looking for a way to be involved um, in young people's lives, this is it. Find some students in your uh, in your immediate area of influence and uh, just make the decision that you're going to have an impact and be intentional. Parents, you can find people to mentor your kids. If your kid isn't going out, find some mentors and have them uh, go eat dinner with them or some coffee or something. Yeah. And I know uh, as a parent myself, it's hard to think about, you know, letting other people have influence in your kid's life. But one of the best decisions you can make as a Christian parent is to surround your students with adults who love Jesus and aren't you. Because sometimes they're going to need those relationships and seeing the examples of other people who are actually reinforcing the same principles that you're looking to impart Mm -hmm. is just super powerful. Yeah, and I think along the lines of that, I mean, we we all know that parents will leave pretty much the biggest mark on young people's lives. I mean, my parents impacted me the most. We, most of us can say that. I think all of us can say that on the show tonight that we all relate with that. Our parents have impacted us the most. But I think it's also important that even kids growing up, they need to see parents that have healthy relationships. They need to see not just, I mean, friendships. Friendships are great, but even with each other, having a great relationship together, that impacts young people the most. As a family, sometimes it can be hard. Sometimes it's a struggle. I have young kids right now, and I think of the time that I'm not spending with friends sometimes. I wish I could spend more time with people that I enjoy spending time around, but you know, I get to be a dad, which is a great responsibility. Sometimes, though, I have to figure out, okay, when is the house not clean enough, but I really need to spend time with friends and have them over for a cookout? Well, bring people over. Bring people around your kids that you know you can trust. And, uh, you know, again, the church is a great place to go to find those kinds of people. Of course, neighbors, people that you can invite in your community that you know. Uh, it's just it's a good place to start for many people. And I know, Dave, you've got some really more succinct ideas just about mentorship, mentorship in general. And even the bigger question of how do I go and find, especially if I'm looking for a mentor, how do I go and find someone that would be quote unquote qualified or someone that I know I can trust? You know what? I would be very simple on this. I would ask people, whether you be younger or older, to really fall in love with God and just do it in public so people can see it. 
not a, a fake display, just a real display of loving God, and get in the habit of looking at other people and thinking in your head, what can I do to help that person be the best they can be? I mean, just get in that habit. And what happens actually is you'll start to be looking through different lenses and you'll see people that could use mentorship and and you can see people that can help you in your life and you begin to let the body function like it should. You know, if I'm looking for a mentor, I'm really looking for somebody who's out in the church, who's out serving and giving and demonstrating on a regular basis that they care for God and they care for people. And that's very important to do. And and then I would just get next to them and start seeing what they're doing and see if I can help them serve. And before you know it, we're in each other's lives. And, and that's a very natural process. You're not going to find a mentor in a place where it's full of self-centered people and you're going out there and you're all doing things for yourself. And that's not where you're going to find them. You're, you're going to find them in the place of service somewhere. And so you need to put yourself in a place of service and start looking for the others, different ages there. And then uh, you'll see that it'll be a very natural process. It's good stuff. It is good stuff. Tim, what are your thoughts, man? There's two things that Dave said that I uh, really can relate with. First is to just look around. Uh, for me, it was to look around the church and find people who love God and uh, who are obviously honoring him through the way that they live and just spend time with them. Make sure you're around them. Uh, so that they can be pouring into you. Um, and then one of the big things for me have been encouraging kids, at least this year, this summer that I've been mentoring, to go and find kids who are younger than them or maybe just younger than them in the faith and try and pour into them in any way, whether it's sitting down and talking to them formally or just hanging out and being a good example to them. Because one problem really that a lot of kids come up and say is that there's really no one out there that they can find uh, to mentor them. And I think that one way to solve that, at least for the, this generation of students, is to encourage them to be mentors now so that when they are older and the younger kids are looking up to that generation, that they'll be willing to get into their lives and pour into them. comes back to the very simple things. Let, let's think about others and um, think about them in a way that we put ourselves in a position where we help them be the best they can be while putting ourselves in a position to allow God to really use us to the best that he made us to be. Check out tonight's show notes at HopeNet360.com. We've added some links, some quotes, some things that we've talked about on the show to help guide your conversations this week. Of course, you can subscribe to the podcast, listen back to the show, share with your friends. Go to HopeNet360.com slash podcast. You can subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. We hope that you do. We hope you leave us a review as well. For all of us here on the show, thanks so much for joining us this week. We'll see you guys online and next week. Say bye. Later. (laughs) Bye, friends. Thank you.